From Relay FM, it's Connected, episode 23. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a 10-day free trial, visit lynda.com slash connected. PDF Pen 2 for iPhone and iPad. Edit your PDFs from wherever you are. It's a great app from Smile. And automatic. Drive safer, drive smarter. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by the one and only... Mr. Federico Vatici. Buonasera, Mike. Buonasera, Federico. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. It's, uh, it feels like it's been days since I talked to you, but actually we like talked four hours ago. A couple of so. hours ago, yeah. For, for, our, for our other show, The Lovely What can Virtual. I say? I, I feel your absence in my life. That's very sweet of you to say, Federico. Thank you. Speaking You're... of absence... Um, <laughs> <laughs> we nice. we are one man down this mm-hmm. week, man down, uh, because our our um, uh, official uh, Relay FM genius slash uh, Mac expert slash yeah. American friend, the keeper of the follow up, Stephen Hackett is not here. Um, yep, he's not deceased. That's still only you, Mike. Okay, only, uh, only occasionally. He's only. We decided that maybe he's cheating us, cheating on us with another podcast, but yeah, we, we have yet to work out which one. We have a theory that he has another podcast, and when he says he's not here, he actually hangs out with another uh, Skype account. He just um, pretends to be somebody else. He puts on a yeah. fake accent. Mm-hmm. He pretends to be Canadian, I think. Yep. Earlier on in the in the chat room before the show, um, at Sidor uh, Sidor in the in the chat room. Uh, believe that maybe Stephen has permanently joined Mac Power users. <laughs> what well, that could be? <laughs> that could be a nice theory. Yes, probably. But uh, but my my response to that was in Stephen's dreams. He's joined <laughs> wow. Mac Power users. Wow. Sick but. sick burn, Mike. Um, so speaking because because Stephen is not here, uh, I feel like it's a, it's a necessary, Michael, for you to uh, bring us into the follow up. So I have a couple of issues with this. Okay. With the follow-up, with, with uh, working our way towards FU. So, Stephen... Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you. Uh, Stephen uh, put together this follow-up um, for us. I asked if he would help out, uh, considering he was he's, like, he's on another podcast today. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did that. But the problem, since since Stephen has kind of become the, the keeper of the follow-up, the follow-up designator... And he has like perpetuated this old browser thing. We now are getting <laughs> loads and loads of, of tweets of show notes in old browsers, and I'm going to get to those shortly. But I don't understand what anything means. Like all of the words don't mean anything to me. And he's like, you know, you know for him they mean everything, but to me, it's like I don't know what this is about. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like when um, when you're like a teenager and your parents tell you that they're going on a like on a brief vacation and they instruct you to to maintain the house and they tell you like you got to you got to water the plants and you got to do this and you got to do that and you don't understand and like they they leave you instructions and you don't follow them this is how i feel when steven leave, leaves us notes in the follow up yeah. like he is is the adult one is the grown up and he tells us to to do stuff, and we're left with these weird browsers running on virtual machines or whatever. Um, so yeah, we we'll try our best, Mike. It's yeah, it's just a it's, it's a scary prospect for me, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my best shot, Federico. Okay, I think that's all he would have wanted. 
Yes. Uh, wow. This, <laughs> it's a, let's, this is a Steven's will uh, <laughs> to do a proper follow-up. <laughs> so I must honor his wishes. Uh, the first piece of follow-up um, is, is maybe directed at your lovely self. Uh, do you remember we were talking about that app Burstio? that, that mm-hmm. took uh, burst photos and turned them into GIFs. It actually saves to the camera roll automatically, which is why you couldn't find. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, in my defense, it actually creates an album. So who creates an album? Come on. I mean, I, I Instagram. Just... Instagram too as well. I think it still shows up in the camera roll, but then it also creates an album. I don't know. I just, I, it's easy to miss, you know, because yeah. the app doesn't tell you and like there's no notification or whatever. Exactly. I just didn't know. So there's nothing you can do about it. But the Burstio app Twitter account uh, contacted us to tell us. So thank you, Burstio. But you should make it clearer in your application. That is our feedback upon your feedback. So thank you. Um, we have... Okay, okay so you, this, can, you can do this, Mike. I'm, just, I'm scared. Right, so we have our show notes in other browsers section of the follow-up. Um, if this was upgrade, it would be called a vertical, but this is an upgrade. So here we are. Uh, we have at tr four six fifty six. This is you fan, I believe. Okay, let, had... let me let me just let me just open each link alongside okay. you. I'll be like holding your hand in the follow up. Uh, this I, I feel a lot better now. So you uh, fan, I think he's he sent us in a few things before. This is uh, connected on Windows Phone eight point one. Okay. okay, I understand this. Um, so this looks really bad considering kinda, it's like a, ugly. <laughs> it looks terrible considering it's a current uh, web browser I'm really scared about the way this looks but sorry Windows Phone um, and then you found also actually attached a, a gif to his tweet which shows that as soon as you load the live stream uh, it crashes Windows Phone it crashes the browser That's crashes sweet. Internet Explorer uh, which is excellent um, that that happens, uh, but I'm I'm going to be completely honest with you, Federico. I don't mm-hmm. intend to do anything to try and fix that problem. I'm sorry, everyone, uh, but I I'm not interested in. Well, in you're really going to upset those ten people who use Windows Phone. Yeah, and I apologize to those people. Um, but it works everywhere else. There's kind of I don't know if I want to spend the money. If you want, if I mean, if anybody that uses Windows Phone would like to pay for the development time. <laughs> This is not a proper strategy, Mike. Uh, <laughs> you cannot ask users to pay for bug fixes. Well, I'm just saying, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to fix it um, because it, so seems, it seems crazy. <laughs> it is a bit crazy. Um, it could be maybe just that specific device. I don't know. Well, it's not going to um, even be a problem soon. And we'll talk about that a little later on in the show. Uh, we have Ken Matthews, um, considering all the conversation that we had about BlackBerry last week, mm-hmm. um, he sent in what connected page looks like on a BlackBerry Bold. It's uh, really small. Uh, yeah. Really, really small display. I like how the, the webpage title goes into the status bar. Um, there's the title of the episode up there uh, before the icons for Bluetooth and Signal. Um it's kind of the rest is kind of weird. There's the menu, like goes into the icon on the, yeah, on the right there is, side. There are some significant layout problems here. The logo is only half of the logo. <laughs> uh, if you would like to find the show notes where you can find the show notes images of the show notes, then you should uh, point your web browser. What did at. you just say? The if show notes. Wants... You want to find the show notes to find the show note images of the show notes. You know, that's where this was. It's like yeah. a, we're like basically got like a nesting doll situation happening here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to relay.fm slash connected slash 23 and you will find that. 
Um, I, I'm putting those all in there. And then we have... Uh, okay, so the, la the last two links, Mike. This is the one that I'm really concerned about. Okay, <clears throat> okay we, we can do this. Come on. All right. So, four screenshots, BOS 5. So, BOS, I think, used to be an OS, right? Um, it used to be the OS that... Um, that Apple was rumored to acquire many, many years ago, but actually they went with Next Step. I'm getting so many details wrong. Yeah, um, see, see, this is why I, you shouldn't get into these things, you know? No, no, I, I'm pretty sure I once read uh, an article on Ars Technica about the fact that uh, basically back in the 90s, you know, that's uh, when Stephen was a teenager, um, back in the 90s, um, geeks really liked BOS mm -hmm. and I'm I'm fairly certain of the fact that Jean-Louis Gasset the guy who writes Monday Note um, he went from Apple to BOS and the, because geeks really liked BOS uh, Apple was rumored to be considering an acquisition but it never happened and so I like two years ago, I read this article about people who still use BOS because they like the interface, they like like the icons and whatever, uh, but it never happened. QNX Neutrino. Uh, so no. what we have is also uh, Laurent, who sent in these screenshots, clarified with um, some, some other information. So on BOS, uh, it's net positive is the name of the browser. In QNX, it's uh, Voyager. And then we also have a, a next step 3.3, and it's in OmniWeb. Okay. Um, so we have, yeah, we have QNX Neutrino. I don't know anything about that. And I mean, Nothing. next step, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm familiar with that. OmniWeb, I'm, I know OmniWeb. Yeah, yeah, we know so. OmniWeb. What I like most about all of this, though, is there, the reply to this tweet is just Stephen saying, whoa, in all capitals. And like, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but I'm, I'm really happy that Laurent made Stephen so happy. Uh, and I hope that it makes others happy too. <laughs> I, I like that Laurent went to the trouble. I genuinely do, but I, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like Steve. something's lost on me. Look at Stephen; he's so happy, he's so excited about it. <laughs> uh, and and I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is that's exciting him so much. But I I I don't know how much trouble Laurent must must have gone through to get these screenshots. But I appreciate, as we do with everybody who sends in for some insane reason that I'm not really sure how this happened, but I love that everybody sends in these every week. Um, I, if anybody now can tell us how this began, <laughs> I would I'd quite like to know that now because I'm, I'm, I'm becoming very, uh, very intrigued as to how we pivoted uh -huh. from the photo management show to the really old browser show. What if we, we somehow pivoted into like, um, like an old browser museum? At this point, we are collecting quite, quite uh, uh, screenshots from people. So it's like, um, like the licensing is is all is all good, right? We have no problems with licensing and with credit. Uh, we have quite a quite an amazing collection of all original content. Um, we we could consider becoming a like a nonprofit organization for um, show note screenshots preservation. Yes. We are the Committee for Web Browser Preservation. Yes, yeah. that's what we are now. Yeah. Steven is going to be like uh, like the spiritual advisor. Uh, 
we can we can take out the money. He could be like, like the just the historian, and then like you could be the treasurer, and I could be another position in the museum that I don't know. You yet. could you could be the, the like the voice that announces. Oh, I could do like the, the audio tour. <laughs> on the and now and now we find QNX. <laughs> if you take a look over to the right, you will find <laughs> OmniWeb Next Step three point three. And there's all like. There's like people like Kyle and Joe walking around with with headphones and just looking at screenshots of web browsers. People are like, hmm, hmm. They're looking at the images. They're like, oh, can you see? Can, do you see the way that they <laughs> and, chose and, to design and, the lines? And like Stephen, Stephen sits in like in a cubicle and he organizes emails and PDFs um, with with his workflows. Uh, and then he prints out the the screenshots of old browsers and he goes out and like he wears like a, a hat. You know, like a because he's the like the the, the guardian of the museum, and, and he hangs knows. these pictures on the walls. And he has like a, a cape, which is like a patchwork quilt <laughs> with all different icons of different browsers, and he wears that. He just walks around the museum <laughs> with his long cape and his hat on. What are we doing? <laughs> he's never gonna miss another show next time if Stephen can't do an episode he'll just be like we have to move it he's never gonna let wow. us do this again <laughs> wow. right this we're only halfway through the follow-up the only way we can ground ourselves now is by talking about one of our fine sponsors for this week's episode our yes. friends over at lynda.com are back to support connected once again you know lynda.com they are the guys that help you learn awesome stuff. Lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business. All of their courses are taught by absolute experts, and they have new courses being added to the site every single week. These courses can be viewed on your desktop, on your tablet, on your mobile device. You can view them on the web, or you can view them in their great iOS and Android apps. Whether you're looking to learn some new skills, maybe you want to learn a new hobby, maybe you're trying to perfect something you already know, or you just want to get a taste for something, you know, you're looking for a, something else that you want to do, maybe you want to try and make some money you know, with a little side project, lynda.com has videos that are going to help you get anything off the ground. We've spoken about this before. They have some great courses on app development. They have some great Swift stuff as well. So they have Swift Essential Training, but also they have a project right now about, you know, if you maybe you want to take your current Objective-C uh, project and move it over to Swift, they have some great courses that can help you do that. They have st interesting courses that I've watched on Logic Pro. It helped me kind of get a handle over some of the editing tools and how to use that. Uh, they do have some podcast production stuff as well, if that's something that you're interested in. Maybe you want to learn a bit about getting things done. They have a course from David Allen. Um, there, Do you remember the great... Um, documentary helvetica federico yes that's yes, on that's course. on lynda.com as well so oh, wow that, that document documentary is part of like a trilogy of documentaries and they are all on lynda.com do something good for yourself this year and sign up for a free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash connected if you sign up not only will you learn some new awesome stuff it will also help support this show thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting connected and all of relay fm so do you remember a few weeks ago I was talking about that phone that I went to see called the Yota phone? Yeah, the uh, the one with the with the ink display. Yeah, in the, so in the back. This is just a piece of follow up. Like TechCrunch reviewed it this week and they reviewed it quite well. Um so I just wanted to put it in there because it has a lot more information, it has some demos and stuff. So okay. if people were interested. And they basically came to a similar sort of uh 
conclusion that I did. Like, it's really interesting. And it's mm-hmm. not just a gimmick. Like, there's some real kind of practical applications for, for the e-ink screen and why it would exist. You know, not not just, like, for reading stuff, but also for incredible battery-saving power. But mm-hmm. it's expensive. It's really expensive to, to get your hands on one. It's like $850. What? Because you have it's, to import it, and they, you know, I think it's only sold in Europe right now. So it's uh-huh. so when you convert it, it, it's kind of a crazy price, and they're only doing them sim free. So just an interesting thing. Uh, and one last piece of follow up today. Uh, I am so excited and so happy that we've launched a brand new show on Relay FM called Rocket. Um, Rocket is a is a show that's covering technology is covering pop culture stuff like movies and games and books and stuff like that and we have a trio of fantastic hosts for the show we have brianna Wu, christina warren and simone de rochefort they're three awesome women who have really great powerful voices and the the sort of conversation that's happening on rocket you're not going to hear anywhere else because they come from a like a totally different place you know they have totally different opinions i just love it episode one was talking about like 3D printed cars. It spoke about Ant-Man. Uh, and there's also a great story about how Christina Warren uh, effectively ruined Brianna Wu's life a few years ago. I won't say any more than that. Oh, wow. It's a great open. Uh, it's a fantastic show. Uh, we, we're going to have another new episode this week. Um, you should go check it out if you haven't already at relay.fm slash rocket and subscribe because it's well worth your time. Topic zero today. Okay. Federico, we doing, we're still doing the zero zero point five one one point five. We basically turned the show notes into into Facebook Facebook's numbering version. Yep. Today we have topic zero. We have topic zero point five. We have topic zero point five point one. Then topic one and topic two. Okay, we 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 can do this, Mike. So, could you tell me? Uh, there was a Lauren Brichter interview that was that was published on. Uh, how would you Ob- Ob- object? Object.io. I think it was this uh, this week or last week. Could you tell me uh, the interesting things and why people should go and read this article? It's a really... So Lauren is the guy you made uh, Twitty, Twitty2. Uh, he went to work for Twitter and then he made Letterpress and now he's basically been kind of absent from the iOS Mac development scene for the past year. Uh, he's, a, he's a pioneer, right, of many, many uh, uh, interactions on mobile devices. And the interview is really great because, uh, like, Lauren, Lauren talks about uh, the fact that he's kind of become, I wouldn't say unhappy with, with the state of the App Store and innovation in mobile apps, but just a little bit um, maybe disillusioned. Is that a word? Yeah, just like like, um, like he doesn't he doesn't believe that he doesn't believe that innovation will 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 happen on the app store in the future. He thinks that software has become something that's much bigger than uh, iPhone apps or iPad apps. It's a it's a different take. It's probably not what I was expecting from Lauren. He says that he's been working on some. Uh, software and, you know, kind of under the hood stuff that we won't see anytime soon, some low-level technologies. Uh, I'm pretty sure that knowing the guy, it's probably something graphics-related because he loves to do this kind of, like for letterpress, for instance, he built the entire game from a graphics engine. So uh, he's he's been doing some low-level 
work. We don't know about what. But I guess that the main theme of the interview uh, is becoming like moving away from the app store. It's a, it's a it's an unusual opinion, I think. I didn't quite like how he decided to end the interview and saying that everything that he made in the past stinks, he says. Um, because while, while I understand the feeling that uh, you look back at your previous uh, work and your pre- like the stuff that you made two or three or four or five years ago, and you say, oh my God, this stuff like sucks. Uh, I understand the feeling. But not entirely because, I mean, it's pretty objective that Lauren made great work in the past. So I think he's uh, selling himself too short because the features, the design choices that that Lauren had, um, they're being used today by millions of people like Pull to Refresh. Even Apple is using Pull to Refresh. Uh, I think that Lauren did great great work in the past. And And like... It doesn't have to look back and say everything I made stink, because while while I, maybe personally he feels this way, uh, I think that the recognition that he had and the popularity that he that he enjoys is uh, absolutely uh, well deserved. Uh, so it's it's maybe a little too negative. He's too uh, harsh on himself. He's too harsh on himself. Yeah, and uh, but it's a great interview. Uh, go check it out. Um, I read it, I think, last week. Um, I saw many people link to it, and uh, it's absolutely a great piece. So topic 0.5, Mike. Yes. Do you want to tell me what's up with Evernote? Uh, yeah, I kind of just want to, to to mention this to kind of set the stage for the next thing that I wanted to ask you. Uh, Evernote okay. this week have announced that they're kind of cutting support for a bunch of their lesser-used products. Like um, they have a couple of the standalone apps called Peak and Hello, which haven't really seemed to do anything for them. And they're also dropping support for the BlackBerry 7-inch playbook. So the thought this might be that, I don't know, they they may be uh, starting to trim the fat a little bit, maybe trying to focus a little bit more, which could be a good thing. I know that we've had some some issues with Evernote in the past. So it feels feels like the right thing to do and yeah. to focus on the main product <laughs> yeah so well, basically this took me to you you mentioned you in, in our slack chat the other day that you were doing this so it's kind of like i was thinking about web services and kind of like scaling back and i remember that you said that you had kind of done a bit of a spring clean of the web mm-hmm. services that you pay for um, yeah so would you be able to tell us what you've cut out uh, for for 2015 and why you've done that yeah. Um, basically, my main problem is that um, because of my job, I tend to try a lot of stuff, even after i settled on a service or an app, uh, because I always want to see, you know, like how apps or services are changing. Uh, like, because sometimes innovation happens in small doses, you know, and maybe you see a feature here and another feature there, and suddenly that feature is being used by everyone. So I like to be ahead of the curve in a way. So that means I need to try a lot of things. And it's an investment for me, so I don't complain, but I I reach a point where I'm probably uh, signed up for like a dozen services and I only use half of those. So I, unless I want to waste money, which I, I don't want to, uh, I need to cancel those subscriptions. And it's never personal. Um, 
I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a human being. I like to save money. I don't want to waste money because I'm not a billionaire. So uh, a few weeks ago, I told you and our friend Stephen uh, that I was trying Zapier for web automation. But I also told you guys that I wasn't sure about web automation because I, I, I was struggling to come up with ideas to connect all these, these different web services um, to do stuff for me. So after a month of trying Zapier, I, I realized, I confirmed my, my initial suspicion that uh, basically I, like, it's nice that I can put together all these recipes on the web, uh, but I, like, I don't want to pay for that. I, I don't want to pay $20 and I don't, re I don't depend on these uh, web automations. Uh, probably one day when I will have like stuff like uh, connected devices around the house or maybe when I will use, I don't know, maybe some invoicing software on the web, maybe it'll, it'll be of use to me. Uh, but today, I mean, it's nice that I can connect my email to, you know, to Dropbox and that kind of stuff. But I, I just don't have enough triggers, I guess, in my life or in my work life in general to justify this kind of expense. Uh, the other one is, is the other one is Feed Wrangler uh, because uh, because I'm using Newsblur and uh, and um, from what I'm seeing uh, I will I will stick with Newsblur uh, because of the many other many great features that I mentioned for the past two weeks. So I cannot cancel Feedly because I paid for a lifetime uh, pro subscriptions two years ago. Uh, I would also cancel Feedly if I were on the annual plan, but I cannot. And so I'm not using Feed Wrangler. It's a great service, just uh, I'm, I'm happier with Newsblur uh, right now. And I think also in the future. iTunes Match. Um, I, do, I just don't use iTunes Match. I just don't listen to music in iTunes anymore. Um, I will probably just keep, you know, those few albums that are not available on Spotify or music streaming services. I would just buy them from iTunes and keep them locally. I, I, I even went through a whole process like last year to sign up for iTunes Match from Italy using my US account. It was, I don't even uh. want to. Yeah, it was awful. Um, so yeah, I don't use iTunes Match. I'm not, I'm, my my music listening habits have completely switched over to music streaming and YouTube. Uh, I realize that's like it sounds like hell to people who still buy albums and music in the traditional way. Uh, but yes, I do listen only to streaming and YouTube. So uh, whatever, right? Um, this the next one is interesting. Mail deck. Uh, MailDeck is uh, this uh, mail client for iOS that I that I bought <laughs> like in September I think. It, it it looked really professional, like it was it looked like a serious email client with search and all these different shortcuts. The interface was kind of ugly, uh, but my understanding was that beyond the ugliness, uh, there was real power user stuff. Uh, but I never really used it. Like I used it for a week. It was probably an impulse buy decision. Uh, anyway, uh, Instapaper because I'm using Pocket, so um, I, I plan to I plan to keep trying Pocket and see 
you know, see how it works because I, I like to take my time. Uh, when I when I decide to switch over and to compare features, I will probably sign up again for Easter paper later this year to see to see what's what's changed. You know, um, many of these services I still have subscriptions active until like May or October, um, so I can I can I can come back. The last one, uh, which was uh, I, I I thought about this one a lot. Um, I used to have two Mac Minis on Mac Mini Colo. One is for Mac Stories, and I, I will never touch that one, at least not in, in the short term. But I also I also had another uh, loaned Mac Mini, just for me, like a personal Mini, that back in the day when I used to have a slower Wi-Fi connection at home, and, uh, and I didn't, didn't have all these automated workflows on, my, on iOS... I used to rely on this personal mini for things like Plex or updating my iTunes match library because it was faster and syncing Dropbox because it was super fast and, um, you know, like image scripting, image uploads, all that kind of stuff that I can do on iOS now. So I was paying this uh, $35 a month for a mini that I was I was not really using. So right now I've... Uh, Consolidated, I guess, my workflow on iOS and music streaming. It's on Spotify. Um, I don't use iTunes Match. Dropbox is fast enough on my new Wi-Fi connection at home. I have 4G on all my devices. I don't need this other mini anymore. And so that's also gone. Uh, the, the main, I, I know that you want to ask me, Mike, why do I do this? Yeah, why, um, do, you, why do you go through and, and do all this sort of stuff? To save money because I need money because I need to <laughs> I need to pay the bills I need to pay the rent and yeah I I mean I like to try stuff I like to support in the developers I'm just mm-hmm. you know I I cannot support everybody in this world I would like to uh, I would like to support everybody but I do, I'm in a, you know at the end of the day I'm just a single guy yeah uh, so when I when I try stuff and I make a decision. Uh, I I cannot afford to to pay everyone, you know, because otherwise, no, you can't. Uh, There's no way you can do that because, y- yeah, uh, you don't magic money. Like you are at the end of the day, like you are just a, a guy who makes money with his job. Like it yeah. just doesn't make a difference where you come from, but you kind of just have to. You have to make cautious and smart decisions, like like anybody does, I guess. This could probably be I realize an analog segment. Yeah, uh, but but there's a. Like there's um there like when I do this, I feel like a jerk sometimes because especially when I choose the bigger service over the small nice utility made by someone I know, and there's like an inner voice inside me that that says, "Oh my God, you're such an idiot for choosing the app from the big company instead of giving your money to this you know small guy." who makes a living out of selling apps. And I feel like, I think it's an an empathy problem. And I realize it's really peculiar because it's a super niche problem. You're you're basically overthinking the fact that you're giving your money to this company instead of this guy, right? It's a super niche problem that most people in the world, I guess, if you're outside of this tech circle, they would never understand or have this problem. 
Um, but it, it's something that I go through. Like, like I think about this. And when I, when, I, when I hit the cancel button, I'm like, is this guy gonna like, is this guy gonna starve? Is this guy gonna, gonna, you know, will he be able to buy food for his, pa- for his family? Or the and dog, I, I man, realized, don't forget the dog. And the dog, oh my God, the dog. Um, I know it's super, it's like, people will make fun of me. I just, I, I just think about these things, you know, because I feel bad. Um, feeling bad is something that I do often uh, for all kinds of things. And subscriptions are one of those. Right, so I want to talk, Federico, about the Microsoft event that happened today. Uh, I didn't expect that we would be, but there was actually a ton of relatively, and in some instances, very interesting things that came out of that. So we should definitely talk about that. But before we do, I want to welcome a new sponsor to Connected, and that's our friends over at Automatic. Automatic is a connected car adapter. It plugs into your car's diagnostic port, the one that your mechanic uses. Every single car since 96 has had one of these ports, so you're going to have one on your car, I'm going to bet. And then what you do is you plug it in. So you plug it into this, I think it's called the ODB port. Um, I think it's called that. And then it pairs to your phone when you drive and connects your car to the internet. Now, connecting your car to the internet sounds lovely, but what does that mean? What does it do? Well... You use the Automatic app, so Automatic has, Automatic has a free companion app in the App Store, and it shows you things like, say your check engine light comes on. Well, the Automatic app will explain to you in plain English what the situation is, and if it's just a small problem that it's nothing to worry about, you can clear the light right from the phone. So you can just be like, yeah, okay, no problem, and it will just clear, and then the light will go off on the dash. It will take a log of all of your trips and keep your parking location, so you'll never lose your car again when you're looking for a multi-story car park. After a long day uh, buying ingredients to make pasta at home, you're never going to lose your car your car again because it's going to be all located for you in the automatic app. It gives you feedback on your driving. So this can make sure that you're driving less aggressively and also help you save on gas, which is really cool. Um, and it gives you like scores and stuff like that. So you can monitor how you do over time, try and beat your own score. Automatic can even detect a crash and call for help for free. So, you know, there's there's a bunch of things that will happen to a car, obviously, in a crash and cars can detect this. The automatic can detect this. And so they will call for help for you and a human will stay on the line with you until help arrives. It's one of those features like you can't put money on that kind of feature. Like if you, if that happens to you, that's kind of, you know, potentially a life-saving thing. It's pretty incredible that it can do this. Automatic can even integrate with your Nest thermostat so it can heat your home just in time for your arrival and it can connect to countless other services like Google Docs, Twitter, Evernote, as well as other connected home devices like the Philips Hue lights. Automatic really helps bridge the gap between your car and the tech and services you use every day. You can order an automatic right now for just $99.95. There are no subscription fees and no other hidden charges, but we have a really special deal for you. If you go to automatic.com slash connected, you can get 20% off of an automatic, bringing the total cost down to just $80, all in $80. It ships in just two business days for free, and there's even a return policy of 45 days. To find out more and to get your hands on that awesome discount, go right now to automatic.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Automatic for their support of this show and Relay FM. Pretty sweet, right? I, one of my, like I'm sad because I cannot use the automatic in Italy. And I know that there's people who bought an automatic and like they hacked around a way to make it work. 
Uh, like I really want to try this because it feels like, again, uh, cost savings, uh, monitoring how you drive and your route and GPS stuff. Like it's, it's right up my alley for things that I want to try. Uh, I'm waiting for support for European cars. So hopefully in the future. I know that there's also people in Italy who found a way to uh, to use a Nest, the thermostat. And I'm too scared to buy a Nest and <laughs> mess around with the cables here because I have a thermostat, it's ugly and it sucks and the user experience is terrible. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not good with this sort of uh, electrical stuff. I should probably invite Dr. Drang over at my house and, and uh, connect this. Can you not, for me. You know you can get you can hire someone to just connect it for you though, right? No, no, I just I don't want people in my house. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of weird like that. Unless unless I know like the plumber or um you know uh, you need whoever is coming whoever is coming to fix my stuff. Um I don't want to just pick up the phone and, and, and call someone on the like um, on the yellow pages, you know? Yeah. Uh, feels feels gross. Maybe you need to find a friend. I, I always I always have friends for that reason. I have a friend who I have a friend to who basically uh, repainted my walls. I have my dad <laughs> who fixed a lot of things here. Uh, I have a plumber I know. Um, I realize that this is probably bad for the economy. Uh, I just don't want people in my house. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know if it's bad for the economy. <laughs> I might be stretching it a little too far. Because you won't let an electrician in to install a nest, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about that too much. So today, uh, as we record, which is the twenty-first of uh, January two thousand and fourteen, uh, Microsoft had an event today, and the main part of the event is like their kind of evolution of Windows. So this is Windows ten we're going to be talking about today. So I watched uh, like seventy-five percent of the presentation, um, caught up on the rest. Uh, via the the Verge and their live blog, I'll kind of caught up and then watched the video. Um, and I picked I picked out a few things here, Federica, that I want us to talk about a little bit. Some okay, of so more, let me some of the more interesting things. Uh, let me just say that I that I watched zero uh, percent of the presentation because I was at the Apple Store, mm-hmm. and but 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 I read a hundred percent of the blog posts on the Verge about right. it. Then you, you've probably got the majority of it. You probably had a better experience because this was very, very, very long. Okay, okay so Windows 10 uh, is going to be coming out later this year and they're going to start kind of betering it. I think they call it their insider program. They send it out to people that way so you can kind of get a test of it yourself. Um, I think one of the, maybe one of the more most interesting things about this release of Windows this is a totally on Microsoft move. Windows 10 will be free for a year as an upgrade for anybody that has Windows 7 or Windows 8. It's huge. So they're limit, limiting it to the first year. Um, I don't really know much more than that. I mean, I think that's kind of all they've said right now. There was like an asterisk that said like terms apply. But that's a big deal for, for Microsoft to do something like that. Windows has been like their main revenue driver for so many, one of their main revenue drivers for so many years, and then they're going to be giving it away to existing customers. They clearly want to move people along, like in the same way that Apple did, right? They wanted to, to move the, the, the needle for people and get them forward and, and get the, everybody on the same ground so they can really start to innovate the platform. 
It feels to me like the right thing to do. Definitely. Uh, because, because you want people to enjoy, well, en enjoy, if it works, to enjoy the latest features, to enjoy, you know, the, the kind of stuff that you're, you know, uh, new apps, new designs, uh, bug fixes. Uh, I just don't know whether uh, Microsoft is doing, um, like you, like Apple, you can upgrade for free on all your devices forever because they're limiting to the first year. I don't understand what they only want to do the first year. Like, what happens after the first year? You're going you're gonna to be forced to pay? Um, it, it doesn't make much sense to, to impose this sort of deadline on people. I think, um, I think this is... Um... They don't want to maybe just say it's free for everyone forever and then they lose a ton of money. Like I, I get like if you've been going because their business has been focused on it for so long, they're kind I understand the idea of dipping their toe in the water a little bit. Um, because if it's a year, there's still going to be like a lot of their bigger clients, a lot of business probably wouldn't upgrade in a year, so they'll still pay, you know. So, like, it's, I think they're just trying to understand, like, what is the limit? Like, do they give it for free forever or do they still try and make a little bit of money out of the enterprise clients? So, I, I think for them right now, this is probably the right thing to do because a lot of this stuff, they kind of just want, I would assume, the consumer to move mainly. Um, and, and a year for a consumer is the most likely to do it if they're ever going to do it. Um, the start menu's back. So, can you can you tell me what uh, what what's uh, the start menu? So you know on on a Windows uh, PC in the bottom left hand corner it says start and you click it and it brings up like a, yes. your uh, list of your apps and like recently used documents and stuff. Yeah, that yeah. went away with Windows eight and it was just really that, well you know they had the the Metro interface which was like the big chunky blocks and the colors that uh -huh. covered the, yeah. that was like full screen. Yeah, that was kind of what they wanted Windows to be and then you could go into the main desktop mode which would have a start menu and be like old school. Well. That was so poorly received by a lot of customers that what they've done now is when you when the view of Windows 10 looks like original Windows, it has the taskbar along the bottom and it has the start menu in the bottom left. But the start menu is now styled to look like Metro, um, which I think is like modern UI or something. We'll call it Metro. I know it's not called that, but that's how we kind of everybody refers to it. We know it's Metro. Uh and so it's got like the tiles and the updating. So what you can do is you see that now and you can see your apps there, but you can also get like information from the apps, like your weather app will show the temperature on, for example, and your contacts app might show whatever, like pictures of people. But then you can then, if you want to, take like stretch the start menu out to be full screen so you can see more information at once. So it's basically inverting it, which is probably a better thing for their kind of customers that are used to the platform. It's it. This probably would have been better for them in hindsight to have always done it this way, rather than trying to push people down a certain path. They should have eased people into it this way. If they would have changed the start menu, and then they encouraged people to make the start menu bigger, and then in a year's time they then made the main view of the OS in that style, it probably would have ended up working out a bit better for them. Instead, they basically, it's like if Apple decided to make Launchpad the default view. Yeah, I mean they were trying something new, and they were trying. They would, and I, I understand that it, it it was a UI change, but it was probably too much too soon. But my my question is, why would you make? Why would you want to make the start menu full screen? Right, because what they were trying to do was to create 
the Metro interface across all devices, which is what they're doing now anyway. They, that's where it started. So the easiest way to get all of your devices to look the same is to create an OS that in theory ran on all of them. And that that interface with like the big chunky areas and like the big block color and stuff like that works on smaller devices. So they figured they would probably, I assume, just scale it across everyone. Um, but hmm. it, I, I don't think it worked out the way that they wanted it to. But so now, in, in going hand in hand with that idea, is a new feature that they're calling Continuum. Now, this is Microsoft's effort to unify the OS across all platforms. Because where it looked similar, I think there were still some differences in Windows 8 and Windows Phone 8. But the understanding is Windows 10 uh, is the same OS on the desktop, on the mobile, and on tablets. And they've hinted at, I think, that Xbox as well. Um, So across all Microsoft platforms, we'll have Windows 10. So it looks the way it does. I mean, I'm not massively personally interested in the way that Windows 10 looks other than some of the features. But you can see all of that by following some of the links that we have. But one thing that I found quite interesting is 8-inch tablets, so 8-inch devices and up, look extremely familiar to the desktop. And I think that's really weird because it has a little taskbar and stuff. And and Joe Belfiore was showing an 8-inch tablet um, and it didn't look, it looked like some of the touch targets were way too small and some of the interface elements were too small. And they've like created a bunch of gestures to help you navigate around, like because they know that kind of maybe some of the touch targets are too small. I think eight inches is too small. I think they should have maybe broken this off at like 10 or 12. Um, but maybe they can still refine that. We'll see. Uh, do I, go on, Federico. Uh, no, I just want to say that I'm not a Windows expert of any sort. Uh, I, I consider myself lucky enough to be out of the Windows scene for more than six years now. Um, but in general, uh, I think that making, whether it's an app or an OS, I'm always up, like I always prefer making something that it's that is custom made optimize specifically for the destination, for the goal, for the device. Um, I, I, I have never bought into Microsoft Microsoft's theory of uh, let's make just one OS and make that one OS, uh, you know, um, the same. Would you like uh, to hear my armchair theory as to why I think they do this now? Please, I, 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 want, to, I want to listen to your, to your stories. When Microsoft were leading, they had um, Windows and then they had, uh, what did they used to call the phone OS? Windows Phone? Windows Mobile? Windows Mobile, that's it. They had Windows Mobile, which was kind of similar, but it was it was more tailored for a mobile device. Um Apple came out with the iPhone, then there was Android, and they kind of took a, they took ahead. And Microsoft were trying to play catch up for years. And every effort that they've had to create mobile devices, tablets, and uh, phones, and to have their partners with their tablets and phones, they're just not gaining the traction that they would want. And Satya Nadella, I mean, even before him, they know that growth continues to be immobile. And for as long as Microsoft are out of the mobile space, they're in, they're in a bad way. One of, the th- one of Microsoft's main problems at the moment is they do not have application support. Like app support is something that they're missing. 
Now, in creating uh, one OS that goes across all devices, they create a universal app development infrastructure and they create universal apps which nobody else has tried to make. So an app that could run on the desktop, on the tablet, and on the phone. That's kind of the vision. So if they can do that, they increase the amount of developer support automatically for the phone and tablet. I think that's the idea. I think that's why they do it. Because developers can then attract three different platforms with one app. That's why I think they're doing it. I, I, it could be I could be completely wrong, and I'm sure somebody can can tell me if I am, and I'm sure we'll get we'll find out if we are. But that's when I look at this, I'm like, why would you do it? That makes sense as a reason to do it to me because they're struggling to gain traction. I think it makes sense, but it it also sounds like the easy way out. Oh, like, for sure. Because you, but they've because you tried need, everything else at this point. Yeah, because you need apps. So let's let's just like remove friction from developers and let's just make sure they only need to write an app once. And basically it feels like a way to inject apps into the Windows uh, store catalog on phones and tablets because developers are not, are not making apps for those devices. Yep. It feels like a way to basically use apps, apps from the PC you know, on on these other devices because they fail to gain traction. So let's just use a universal language. And and I'm not sure whether this sort of shortcut. I mean, it makes sense. It's pretty clever. Uh, if the technology is, works well, it's congrats to Microsoft. It's just is the will it be a quality choice? Would it be great for from the user experience perspective instead of, you know, having separate OSs and developers writing custom apps for each device? I'm sure you can know. still do an element of that, right? Like if you, you can make a simple you you can make a, a simple uh universal app, right, for the iPhone, or you can mm-hmm. you can put thought into what each device means, you know? Um and I think that you know, like we see that with their phones, right? So it's like where some developers put the thought to think about uh, landscape view in the 6 Plus. You don't have to do that, but it's like the consideration that people put into it as to whether they want the device to sh- let the app to shine on each device. But I-, I know, like, for a fact that Microsoft have kind of, they've tried really, really hard to get developers on the platform. I have heard stories of Microsoft. I mean, we've all heard them, but I've heard from from some uh, people, Microsoft going to developers and offering them a ton of money to develop for the Windows platform and and support and kind of resources and anything that they need. So that they've tried, but this, you know, the pe- developers know the yeah. user base isn't there. So what's the point? I mean, and I think that's the thinking behind it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, see, I, I think making apps is like a kitchen. Uh, there's all you can buy all these different kitchen robots, and they do all sorts of things for you. Uh, they're like the cross-platform version of cooking. They do all sorts of different things. You can you can make pizza. They they let you grind grind coffee. And, you know, they, these robots, these machines, they you basically put the stuff in and they have all sorts of different functions. Um, have you ever but, heard uh, the term lowest common denominator? Yes, I exactly. think that, that's what they're going for. I don't but know. But in, if, in, if, in the kitchen, when you buy the specific tool, whether it's a knife or a mixer, 
uh, you always end up with the best results, I think. And and in a way, that's how I see making software. I, I think that with cross-platform, you can make the most clever, easy, you know, fast solution. But history has proven that custom solutions are always, you know, they give you the most uh-huh. control and the most quality. I don't know. No, I agree with you completely, but yeah, I, I see from Microsoft's perspective, it's like, oh yeah, it makes what, sense. What yeah. more can we do? Like, yeah. you know, we've yeah. tried everything. Yeah, no, 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 makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So Cortana, uh, Cortana, which is Microsoft's digital assistant on Windows Phone, is going to be on all devices on Windows 10. So as well as the usual personal assistant stuff that we're used to um, on the desktop, you know, like tell me about the weather today and all that kind of stuff. Or like, what am, what's my calendar like? You know, it'll give you all of that and give you a visual view of it all in a kind of like a notification center type view. Um, Cortana on desktop and on Windows 10 uh, PCs can also find files for you and stuff like that. Um, so you can say like, Cortana, please get me that presentation that I want to show Federico or something, you know, and it will find it for you. Um Looking at Cortana uh, here, I am, and when we talk about it a bit more with the new internet, new web browser, Project Spartan, uh, gold gold star to whoever gets our show notes in Project Spartan, um, you you will receive a gold star for the first person to achieve that. <laughs> um, I am I am interested that there is no there is no Siri on the Mac. It feels like that Spotlight is kind of Siri. They maybe should have just called it Siri and 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 yeah, gone with the marketing. When you use a Mac, you're using a keyboard. That's my question. Would you? Well, would yeah, you, you can. Would type. you ask Cortana to find a file well, instead of typing? You can type into Cortana. Okay, that's one of its like define. I think more defining features, and you can do this on on the phones as well. You don't have to speak to it. You can ask it questions in natural language. Yeah. So, so you can type. So it's also search. Yeah, but yes, exactly. But you can you can type into it like what are my appointments today or something, you know, like or like you know, like the Fantastical style, like uh, lunch with Bob at twelve in Casa del Rio. You know, it, it does all of that, which is which is quite interesting. This is one of the things. One of the things they kind of glossed apart, uh, over a little bit was um, the message platform, and it, it wasn't very clear when they were explaining it. But I think I kind of got my head around it. Um, Obviously, Windows Phone do SMS, but they're going to be using the Skype backend to power an iMessage-like platform. Mm, now, Skype. Yeah. So they're going to use the Skype chat service to do that, mm. which is very interesting because that's cross-platform. So I could, you know, I could talk to somebody on a Windows Phone from my Mac by using Skype. But you can already do that. Yeah, but it would be built into the Messages app. Oh, okay. That's okay. the idea. Sorry, I maybe didn't make that completely yeah. clear. So what yeah. it will do now, in the same way that iMessage does, if it detects that it can use Skype, it will do that. Otherwise, it will send an SMS to someone. I think this is, again, clever. I just fear that basically every every major platform holder is going for its own solution of uh, this cross-platform messaging. So Apple has iMessage and Google well, has... not cross-platform. Um, well, that's cross, cross device for Apple. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. It's just like Apple is never going to add Skype into the Messages app. No, never. Well, they may do, but not in the near future. I mean, you know, you never know. Like with these, you things. never know. Right? It feels uh, it feels unlikely. 
you know? Yep. Uh, I just I just think that at the end of the day, SMS was a pretty awesome <laughs> cross-platform service. It's just, you know, too bad that it's a paid one. Uh, because it works for everybody, uh, but it only supports text. Like, ideally, how awesome would it be if iMessage or whatever, another service, was really cross-platform and into the main messages app for everybody. Oh, yeah. That would be fantastic. But it's never um, going to exist because it's, it's meant to be a competitive advantage, isn't it? Yeah, and that kind of sucks, you know, because it, like, like I, I get it. Like, they want people to use their own ecosystem and whatever. Uh, I just, like, I kind of miss the idea of SMS as a global standard. Yeah, uh, I do too. I do too, definitely. Uh, there's a new browser. Uh, it hasn't got a name yet. It has a code a code name Project Spartan. Uh, I really enjoy. So this they're pro- just they're just sorry they're just using names from from Halo at this point. Yeah. Okay. Well, that I think they went with Cortana, right? Because that's yeah. quite a smart name. So now they're expanding it. Okay. You know, okay. because I I think Cortana was a is a clever name for for their assistant. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. So then I guess, you know, at that point, then you may as well just go with that way for everything. So uh, I really enjoyed this part of the presentation because um, so you should if you should try and track this part down. The Verge, uh, the Verge will definitely have it. I'll put it in there. Uh, a few weeks ago, Tom Warren on The Verge, uh, he, he had all this information. He had a scoop about Project Spartan and some of the features that were going to come from it. And... Uh, Joe Belfiore brought it up on the on the web browser and was like, "Oh, we were all talking about this a couple of weeks ago." <laughs> nice. And uh, and then showed off some of the features of the um, of the the new web browser on that web page. So I'll talk about what what I mean by that. So um, this is one thing that I found really interesting. They were cagey about this, I think, more than they should have been. I I believe Joe Belfiore's words were, it has a new rendering engine, engine, which is compatible with the web today. Why didn't he say it conforms to current web standards? Because that should have been what he said, but it wasn't what he said. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does because it would be crazy for it not to. But I start to think about some of the stuff that Google is doing, you know, like forking off from WebKit and being mm. all weird. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder if there's maybe a little bit of that in there. Did but, you see, just as, a, just as a quick aside, that there's a um, WhatsApp web application? Yeah, I saw that. And yeah. it only works for Google Chrome. Yeah, it's a Chrome app. It's so weird. Yeah. Like... I don't know what's happened, and and their availability on other platforms should be should be a topic someday. Uh, yeah. Because the Amer- the Americans don't don't get WhatsApp, I think. No, they don't. So it'll be mostly me and you, yeah, talking about WhatsApp. Uh, it should have been today, Mike. I realized it should yeah, have been today. I, I but instead, we have to subject Stephen to listening to this topic. Yeah, we'll we'll make him listen. Okay. I did think it was yeah I did think that was interesting. Um but yeah it's coming it's coming to the web. They've launched a web client. But I don't understand it's for Android. They've launched it for Android as well, but they have an Android app. I don't really fully understand the thinking there why you need a web <laughs> app when you have a, a native app. We will do research on Yeah, we on need WhatsApp. to I need to look into this a little bit more. I didn't I didn't have any time to look at that, but um so um along so with Anyway, besides the web today 
So one of the key things that they've done, which I think at first I thought was dumb, and then the more they showed about it, I actually thought was quite interesting. They have a note-taking mode. So this is what they're doing. Like, so he he grabs his stylus and he like does some rings around the the headline, and he's writing notes on it and stuff like that. You can also um, so you can draw on it. You can add comments, so you can click on a certain section and add your own comments to it. And what it does is, now I thought that this was this was very impressive. So when you start to add these notes, it says it locks the page up. So I was like, oh, it just turns it into an image, right? It says, oh, it, you know, if, the, if the content changes, this won't change. So it keeps your notes in preservation. But, it said, but then he said, but the links will still work. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Because I thought he was going to say like, oh, it just turns it into an image or a PDF or something. But all the links still work in that. So maybe there's like some PDF he's like, that's happening there um so you can add comments as well by like typing in stuff you can then share these comments with people so my understanding from from listening is you can collaborate on this together which i thought was quite cool so you can imagine like a web design company doing this which mm-hmm. i thought was quite yeah. cool um and then also um you can sh- save these you can then clip areas you can clip specific areas as well and you can save all this to one note or you can clip a certain area and share it to the web, like Dropler. Hmm. So I thought all of that in the browser, that's pretty powerful stuff. And I remember us all wanting Apple to put this in Safari when they showed it off in Mail, right? Yeah. But So <laughs> so I looked at it and I was like, do you know what? That's, that's something that should be in more browsers. Uh, reading list, like really? They showed this okay. on stage? Come on. Uh, and then Cortana built in now. This actually, I thought, was was quite quite interesting. So, it has some basic information like uh, like spotlight. So it will give you contextual information when typing in the address bar. Um, like kind of like what spotlight does, right? So it gives you that information. You can type in like weather, and it starts to show you the weather. Um, and then, but also like Google Now, if you're tracking a flight in Cortana and you start typing anything about flights, it will show you the flight information in like the drop down of the address bar. But then this is something that I thought was really cool. So uh, Belfiore goes to a web page for a restaurant uh, and he right clicks on it and it brings up a menu, he right clicks on a menu item on the restaurant and it brings up a list of ingredients that are in the menu item. I thought it was pretty cool. And this is Cortana. This is Cortana, that. yeah. Because their idea with Cortana, Federico, is that it's that I, I think they kind of, at least in the way that they talk, they, they've taken it a step further than everybody else. The idea of Cortana is it's this learning machine and, and they, they have it learning the internet via the people that are using it. So it learns different things about websites and it learns about you. And it seems to be like this learning thing rather than just like with Apple, it's kind of like Siri kind of gets smarter as it goes along, maybe. Um, Google now seems to learn more about you, but Cortana, at least the way it's pitched, seems to learn more about you and the web as a whole. It's, it, I, I find it quite interesting. Like Of the three that I've seen demos of, and I've used all three of them as well, I actually find a lot of Cortana's features to be to be the most impressive. That's pretty cool, yeah. So I, 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 I have an eye on Cortana because I think that it is, it's becoming a more than just a gimmick feature. For, will it will it work? Do you know if it'll work uh, internationally? Like, can I select an Italian recipe? Does it tell me so Italian? One of the things they said is that with Windows 10, while they're in the beta program, they are working like really hard to get it working better in in internationally. Oh, nice. Okay. Because uh, I think it, I think up until now, it's it's been in English only in beta. So I, mm-hmm. I think if they're going to put it into Windows, like 
proper Windows, like full Windows, it has to work internationally. I think they recognize that. So there's still, we haven't even got to the bigger stuff yet. Um, this is actually a pretty impressive keynote. Thinking like now I'm looking over what we've spoken about and, and, and what's coming later. This is a big day for Microsoft. Maybe yeah. we'll talk about how we feel about that at the end. This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Smile. And today I want to talk about PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone. The recently released version 2 of this fantastic app brings new professional level features to the already incredibly powerful mobile PDF editing app. These new features that you'll find in this version include a brand new editing bar that provides easy access to all your favorite tools, super smart palm and wrist protection for when you're writing and highlighting, the ability to apply password encryption to your super secret PDF documents, and the ability to view and navigate through annotations in the sidebar. PDF Pen 2 for iPad and iPhone also includes automatic page numbering, including Bates numbering, which is something I had to look up, but apparently it's really useful in legal medical fields as a way to place identifying information onto documents, which I guess is pretty important, and support for iCloud Drive and AirDrop to easily store and share your PDFs between devices. All of these new and awesome features come along with old favorites like tools to add text, images, and signatures to PDFs, the power to correct text in original PDFs via editable text blocks, and an easy way to fill PDF forms, which now includes specialized signature fields. Since I started running my own business, having the ability to sign PDF documents, just that that pure thing to be able to sign a PDF document on the go is incredible, let alone all this other stuff that it does. Like PDF Pen has actually become an indispensable tool for me, like on the Mac as well as on the iPhone and the iPad. Uh, I use it so much and the things that I use it for are some of the most important things that I deal with, like signing contracts and signing sponsorship agreements. For our business, PDF Pen has become really, really important. If you want to revolutionize the way you deal with PDFs on your iOS devices, you need to look no further than PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone. Go and search for PDF Pen 2 on the App Store today or go to Smile Software com slash connected and that's where you're going to find out more thank you so much to smile for their continued support of this show okay federico let's talk about some video games so okay tell me tell me all about it windows 10 is getting an xbox app and what can you do with it so uh, let's start off with the smaller parts there is going to be cross-platform chat both uh, text and video that you'll be able to have with your friends uh, via the new Xbox app on Windows 10. So maybe, you know, you can be at work and say, guys, I'll be home at 10 and we can do that raid. You know, you can do that if okay. you want to. You know, that maybe that maybe that's something, Federico, that the kids the kids these days uh, will get up to. Um, where there's also the game DVR functionality. Um, they're bringing that to PC. So what that is on the Xbox One, um, it records your last 30 seconds at all times. So you can share that with people. So like say you do something crazy in a video game, you can bring up the share options and you can like share with your friends or share on social media like the last 30 seconds of play or you can choose to start recording at any point and it will just record and you can share that with people. So they call it Game DVR. It's actually becoming quite an interesting thing in the gaming community to see people sharing videos and photos of, of what's happening in their games. It's actually taken off more than I think many people expected it would. Um, so can I ask you... Yeah. So you can do this for PC games? 
yes. or for Xbox games. Like, Let me speak about the rest, and then then you'll know okay. where I'm going with that. So this because is the I'm next com- part. I, I I am confused. The next two parts, okay? So you can do the game DVR stuff for your PC games for sure, but you can also do it for these next two things as well. With Windows 10 comes fully cross-platform games between the Xbox One and the PC. And they, they showed off a demo of Fable Legends. So it has somebody, uh, one of the developers, um, I think it's Lionheart Studios. Uh, she comes out onto stage and she's playing Fable Legends on an Xbox One. And then, what's the guy's name, Federico? Help me, I've forgotten. Who was demoing? Was it Phil Spence? Phil Spencer. Phil Spencer. Uh, he's the Microsoft guy. Phil Spencer is then on a Windows PC and he joins the game so xbox one and pc games will have cross-platform multiplayer and fable okay. legends is one of the first games announced to have this support okay that that makes sense as a cl- cross-platform uh, feature yep. that that absolutely makes sense but this is where things get crazy okay streaming from an xbox one to any windows pc or tablet of course it's it's like after playstation and the Wii U gamepad streaming locally, yep. uh, if this is my understanding is correct. Yep. Uh, it, it's really smart, I think. It makes sense. And again, if I watched the video on the on the Xbox and Microsoft YouTube channels, and the Joe Belfiore, as the example, he says, my son wants to play uh, Sunset Overdrive, and me and my wife, we want to watch uh, some television. And so our son can just stream the game from the Xbox to another screen, which is connected to the, to the PC. So he can keep playing and there's a, like harmony in our, in our household. Uh, it makes sense and it kind of reinforces uh, the, the Nintendo's original idea for the Wii U and the gamepad, which Nintendo couldn't quite sell appropriately to the press and to people especially. Uh, and now Sony is doing this with remote play for the PlayStation and the PS Vita. Microsoft is doing it, and, and it'll be, I guess, even more effective because of the, you know, the PCs everywhere. And and it's it's really clever. I wonder, I wonder if if Microsoft can do it also as an app on, on Macs and other devices. Probably if could. not, they probably, probably could. could. If not, if they depend on like new hardware on you know Windows 10 software features, I don't know. Uh, I read on on Polygon that it'll only be limited to local Wi-Fi and only some games that decide to support the feature. So it's not just like a system feature on the Xbox One. It'll be enabled on a game-by-game basis. So hopefully And I think they have to be downloaded uh, downloaded games as well. Oh, yeah? Not, not on disk? Um, uh, my understanding, just it, it seems like it's, it's, um, from, it's, it's, it's downloaded games only. Okay. I think it's I think it's an interesting move. I feel like this is step one towards a, a bigger like you know uh, like a bigger play. Like eventually, it could be over the internet as well, and then also you know it, it, it could be all games, right? You, I think this feels to me like something you start off somewhere, but I, the idea of being able to connect an Xbox One controller to your tablet and play games you know we know how great that is from the window uh, from the from the wii u gamepad and and having like flexibility of device to do that with i think is really really compelling i think that's i think this is a very very interesting feature i'm looking forward to the 
there's uh, this great column at Eurogamer uh, called um, what's it called Game Foundry. Uh, they basically compare the technical specifications of uh, games across platforms, and they did an amazing test for uh, the remote play on the PS4 and the PS Vita. They compared like streaming and frame rates, and it, it is the, the the one section on Eurogamer that I trust when it comes to technical analysis of video games. Uh, looking forward to seeing this kind of uh, Xbox One streaming to PC. Uh, when is it coming out? Do do they have like a beta coming uh, for, for this stuff? For, what? for everything. For streaming specifically for the Xbox One and PC. My understanding is a lot of these things are being kind of rolled out. Okay. Over time, uh, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. But if uh, I, my understanding from from how this was being presented is like these new features are coming. Uh, they'll be going to what they call their insiders, but they're going to be in stages. And I don't mm -hmm. know if they mean stages to people or if it's like it's being staged out. It, I'm not 100% sure about it, basically, but okay. there is uh, there is some, some idea of it being, it being kind of rolled out. Are you, Mike, are you a Windows insider? I'm not at the moment. You should you should be a Windows insider. I think I should be. I, it's, I seem like I'm coming around to the idea of Microsoft, so maybe I should be a Windows insider. Mm -hmm. You should also be a business insider. I I'm a business insider. That's so kind of gross. This is where this is where the presentation took what I thought was going to be a, um, a a turn, which they wouldn't be able to come back from. Mm -hmm. An 84-inch 4K display called the Surface Hub. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Why uh, would you? Why okay. would you use this? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna enterprise you again. Oh no, not again. I'm sorry. When, I'm sorry. I feel like when I don't know something, you always have the enterprise excuse. <laughs> this is really convenient of you. Mike. It is, isn't it? It's like why do why do Apple reject these apps? Federico, let me tell you about the enterprise. <laughs> Yeah, that's basically what you're doing every week now. Let okay, me explain. Me. Let me explain what the Surface Hub is to you. Tell me. Tell it's me. effectively a huge monitor, 84 inches, which has got Windows. It's got. It's like got a computer inside of it, and it runs Windows 10. Uh, it's a. It's meant for brainstorming and meetings. I wanted to throw okay. up everywhere during this part of the presentation. <laughs> So the present the presenters show a bunch of things like it has a whiteboard function, um, it has like multi-touch, so they show people like manipulating three D models, so they're moving them uh, around in space, and then they're swap. they're like uh, snapping different apps, so they they have the three D model, and then they have like a uh, the one the, the whiteboard one though app, so she can take a picture and move it over to the other side and draw on it and stuff, and it uses Skype for business to call people in because uh, apparently it takes I think it so said twelve painful. minutes to set up every meeting. Meeting, which like on do average, these people shower after they take these meetings? I hope they do. Uh, oh, so God. Skype for business, so it'd be calling people in. Uh, that is a a much better solution for video conferencing than basically any video conference solution I've ever tried. So it's intended to save time in meetings. So effectively, Federica, what this is meant to do is this is meant to replace uh, whiteboards. Um, the computers that people bring to meetings, and also video conference software. Um, in What's theory, the price? What's the price? They didn't say. I don't think they've priced on anything. It's going to be ridiculously expensive. In theory, this is a, a an interesting device in the workplace. But I think that this is a 
stupid up stupid thing that Microsoft is doing in making this device themselves. Uh, this should be just a little Apple TV like box that that if it's got a touch yeah. screen it can use this otherwise it doesn't. But anyway, uh, the one thing that I found was really interesting about this is when when you finish your meeting, so you go like you you go to like the log out panel and you click log out. All of the contents that have been used in the meetings, all of the notes that have been taken, all the whiteboards, all the screenshots, they get automatically shared via OneNote with all of the participants and it cleans the information from the, the machine net, oh, ready for nice. the next meeting. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's clever. It's so businessy. Like, Very it's much. It's so businessy. Yes. Uh, but it's a thing. Did you uh, see the, the image that I pulled from the video? There's going to be two images that are in our show notes. Some apps will show them for you in preview. If they don't, then what you what you want to do is uh, go to our show notes page at relay.fm slash connector slash 23. The first one will be of a total dude with his Surface Hub. The, the guy uh, with the Surface Hub, uh, mm-hmm. the player, uh, is, um, he looks a bit like uh, Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He does, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, he's totally bossing that meat, and I love that he's sitting on the desk. I love that he's doing the finger guns. Well, it's like, everyone, see how everyone's standing up and like sitting on the edge of the tables? That <laughs> because is, he's the boss. Well, no, that's meant to show collaboration. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, everyone's yeah. so engaged in this meeting <laughs> that they are collaborating so hard they can't even sit in their chairs anymore. <laughs> this is terrible. Like the, the tension is so palpable. Um, and they're looking at these uh, charts and, and graphs of showing God knows what. Uh, profit margin analysis says on the on the screen. So this is a, you know, they're doing profit margin analysis. They, they're they're analyzing really their profit margins. <laughs> That's a really, really awesome meeting. Um, Did you get my uh, my meeting invite for the Relay FM profit margin analysis? By the way, yeah, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to to the to the system clearing out our data uh, when we're done. Yeah, because that's that's the way that the system works. Because we yeah. we've uh, got our hands on a Surface Hub here. I'm, I'm really excited about that. <laughs> we we literally have our hands, <laughs> all our hands <laughs> on the Surface Hub. <laughs> literally, everyone can put their hands on the Surface Hub. We can even invite people like Matt Alexander and Frank Towers to put their hands on the Surface Hub. Well, that we can bring them in over Skype for business if we need to. Mm-hmm. Now the next image that you will have seen by now is of the uh, the biggest surprise and probably the thing that's got the most news uh, coming out of today, which is total le- total left field curveball. Nobody could have ever predicted <laughs> that this was going to happen. We have something called Windows Holographic. Now, when th- the guy I can't remember his name, but he worked on Connect. I think his name's Alex. Um, Alex, uh, is, is like Zikman. Zik. Uh, oh yeah, I just uh, you know I read the article on Wired and Vikman, probably. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll we'll go with uh We'll go with that for now. So he comes out and he's kind of crazy looking and he's talking kind of crazy, basically. Kip, Kipman. 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 
And he's he's basically they show this this demo video, which is very Tony Stark, right? It's it's like oh, so we need to do the work here, and we just pinch it and we rotate it around in three D space, and there's a hologram, and oh, you want to increase the size of the fuel tank on this motor, physical motorbike in the real world? Pinch and drag, and it will. It's all very like, come on, guys, like what are you doing? Mm-hmm. They have a device that they're calling the HoloLens. Now, this is like a visor kind of thing. It's it's untethered holographic computer is what they're calling it. It has see-through HD lenses. It has a microphone in it for voice commands. And they've developed something called the HPU, which is the holographic processing unit. Then they show a demo on stage. And this is where it kind of changed. So before this point, everything is these pre-rendered videos and it's like, what are you doing? Like they're showing Minecraft in the real, like in your living room, everything's mm-hmm. made out of Minecraft and you throw a little TNT thing at the wall and it explodes and you look out onto the world of Minecraft and it's like, come on guys, like just, just stop this. But then they show this demo on stage and what they did was they had this special camera that came out, which has also been fitted with the technology so that it could do a proper demo, which is great because this is something Google Glass could never do. They never found a way to demo it. Like, so you could see what you'd see. And it was impressive looking. So the video that they show on stage, they have like a one of the Microsoft executives turned into a little hologram and the, the, the lady who's demoing it is walking around him um, and you can kind of, it looks, it's like a hologram. And then they do this thing called, I think it's called like Hollow Kit or something like that, a Hollow Lab or it's like this, this like toy box simulator where you build little models of things which you can then 3D print stuff out of which apparently Microsoft have been doing a lot of. And she's like manipulating in real space and she's like grabbing things out of the toolbox and like it was just really impressive to look and you should try and see some videos of it if you can. Um, lots of voice activated functions like I like it when in the demo she's like screaming at it to make sure it gets them properly like she's very forceful with her words but the quality looked really good it, it looks kind of awkward to kind of reach out and point at things and touch things but you know it was fine um, and apparently they're showing it off like uh, Wired had a bit of, big article about it um, there are some actual one of the minecraft devs one of the mojang devs mm-hmm. um they said that they're working on projects i understand now why they bought why they why they bought it this is why they bought it for this they need a game mm. to show and this is the perfect game to show in this type of technology like i i now genuinely believe this is why microsoft bought mojang i am i am so so excited about this kind of stuff you know this kind of crazy because it didn't tech. look like it could be real when they're showing the video but then when they show the demo it's like obviously this is early on but even early on this demo if this is actually happening you've created something really special yeah but I, but i have some questions of course i think uh, everybody does so like i'm not a scientist i'm not a programmer but i'm pretty sure that holograms Usually, you don't need to wear a special equipment uh, to see them because they just appear in space. Um, I read, I also tweeted an article um, about this company called uh, Zebra Imaging, and they create these super expensive computers to show you holograms in the real world. And you don't need to wear, uh, you know, special goggles or... Right, so the thing is, like, in theory, these look like holograms, but technically it's this is, just this a, is, it's, well this is augmented reality exactly so it's projected uh, yeah. on your face so my question is 
do they look like holograms? Like, do they look like objects that you see yes. on real surfaces? Yes. Or do they look like you have stuff in in front of your eyes? The the demo that they showed where they, they did it on screen and they had the special camera, they looked like physical 3D objects. Okay. It was, it so, was very impressive looking. Mm-hmm. So when I look at my desk, I see, see my stuff. desk in 3D, yep. and I also see stuff on my desk that yep. isn't that it's not actually there. Have you ever played around with the augmented reality cards on the 3DS? Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Looks like that. Okay. But better, I hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope of course. It looks course. better than the Nintendo 3DS. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of information that we don't have right now, and... There, from what I've seen at the time that we're recording, there hasn't been an awful lot of hands-on and, and information written about it other than the people that got pro- like early access. So I'm interested to see more about this in the coming weeks. But what Microsoft have done today, they've done a few things. I think that they have shown off their current thinking for Windows 10 and they're showing that they can be progressive um, in in some of the features that they've got, their new web browser, some of the features that that has, the idea that they're thinking uh, more cleverly about the way that they they pitch uh, Windows, as well as offering it for free, I think is very impressive. Um, they did show off new versions of Office today as well, but that's not I'm not so excited about that. Um, Cortana looks very impressive. They're finally taking mm. more advantage of Xbox. That's which they should have been doing for years uh, in Windows. Um, and then they kind of blew everybody away with, with the Windows holographic. Everyone was mocking it and thought it was ridiculous until they started showing those those uh, onstage demos. And I think it kind of changed a lot of people's opinions. This, what, happens to, what happens to the HoloLens if you have bad eyesight? Well, it looks like it's big enough like, a, like VR that you could wear it over your glasses. So the visor doesn't look like it sits directly on your face. Mm-hmm. So like they they were talking about VR and they were like the thing about VR is it creates these experiences but they create them they're contained in the in the in the goggles and what Microsoft are trying to do is to create these experiences but in your actual world. Yeah, I just I just wonder. I mean it's so cool like the the geek part of me is amazed by this kind of, you know, technology. There's a, a whole holographic computer in these goggles, basically. Yep. And it's it's, it's fantastic. It's fascinating. It's genuinely fascinating. Just wonder fascinating. If, if, like, would my mom use this? Of course, of course not. Of course not. But it, this is, like, future. This is future stuff. Like, even though it's kind of working now, they've been working on it for years, they are, like, years away from this being a viable platform in any means. Um there's no pricing information, no release information, and they're kind of saying like this is something we're starting to show now, so we can get people to start developing yeah. for the platform and thinking about the platform. Yeah, hopefully it, it won't end up like a Google Glass. I think it's more intriguing than Google Glass. Just fundamentally, it, it is more intriguing. It, um, it makes more sense, I think. And the the main as in the main part of it is it's demoable, so people can actually see it. And I think that is and you're not key. and you're also not like completely shit, you know isolated from what's going on around you. Well, I think, like it's, I think a, it's a see-through display at least. I think Google Glass isn't dead. I think it's going going to go for an iteration. Like they've they've ended the Explorer program and put Tony Fidel in charge of the project. Uh the race for your face is on. It's basically you've got yeah. my, you know, Facebook have got their their place in it. 
uh, with buying Oculus. <laughs> I think looking at this today, like if you if you measure the potential impressiveness of these of these two technologies, I think Facebook will regret buying Oculus because if this works out to be like Microsoft One, that to me looks like a more compelling thing. Uh, but who knows? Well, who knows? I mean, I've I, I've used an Oculus, and I know how incredible that feels, and how like immersive that is. But mm-hmm. there's a difference, I think, between having something like this where it pulls you in and where it can project into your world. I don't know. Well, I have to, I'd have to try them both. I think it only makes sense. It's like inevitable. Uh, after we've made technology so accessible, like the digital world so accessible on computers and then smartphones, and then tablets, and then watches. Now it's the time to actually put all this stuff, whether it's videos and communications, so chat, video chats, messages, games, uh, directly into, uh, you know, beyond the screen, really. So on desks and, like, around us, so we can just walk and do stuff at the same time. It's kind of scary when you think about it. Like, Like, we got these digital things that don't exist around us and we can see them it's kind of scary and kind of dystopian when you think about it things um, that actually aren't really there yeah it's yeah. kind of dark <laughs> as, a, as a concept uh but it's also cool and you know uh i i think it makes sense to move uh content so people communications games uh you know videos out of the screens and into anything basically it makes sense i just wonder about you know the viability of, uh, I don't know. We'll see. It's 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 cool that Microsoft is doing this. Um, we'll see how it how it goes. I guess I'm putting my uh, stake in the ground to say that I am officially excited about Microsoft. Yes, I, I am too. They they seem to be making better stuff. I, I won't say great stuff, but better stuff at least. And um, they've they've pre-announced that they will have a new flagship phone and tablet devices at Mobile World Congress this year. So they are making their own hardware now, which was always obvious with the Nokia acquisition, but they've, mm-hmm. they've officially said that they will be at Mobile World Congress. Which is uh, in February, I yeah, think. In, in yeah, Barcelona. Barcelona. And then they have built I think, build, it's, I think, I think it's Barcelona, not, not Barcelona. It's yeah, I know. Barcelona. It's, yes, it's, it's, Barcelona's our, fine. Our, our fake Spanish accents, it's terrible, Mike. Yes, it's horrendous. Uh, but yeah, then uh, they said build, build in April. Oh, okay. So there you go. So that about wraps it up for this week's episode of Connected. Federica, thank you for joining me. I think we've had a really good, uh, really, really good show, even though we lost a co-host to like another podcast or something. I think, I I think that uh-huh. we've done a really good job uh, to, to show him why we're the best. Hopefully. <laughs> if you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash connected slash 23. Um, if you would like to find us online, Mr. Federico Vitici writes at maxstories.net. He is at Vitici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And you can find our betraying co-host at uh, ISMH on Twitter, Um all I'm going to say, guys, is we have something super cool next week. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yes. keep your eyes peeled for that. We have something very, very special to share with you. Thanks so much to our fantastic sponsors, our friends over at Smile, Automatic, and Linda. And we'll be back next time. Take goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. <laughs>